You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today I'm talking about the PSI Book Club and we will review a great book called Dare to Lead by Brené Brown. <music> already checked out the Effective Statistician Academy, the place where you can learn about all kind of different amazing things from experts in the field. We have courses with Kaspar Ruthibach about estimates and how you can roll it out in your company, how you can learn about it. He is a really, really great speaker, an absolute expert in this field and this is the most sought after course in the Effective Statistician Academy, at least of the old and new ones. We also have the Medical Affairs course in there, we have Data Visualization courses in there, we have a course about how you transition from SARS to R and lots of other things. So check out the Effective Statistician Academy, you'll find it directly on our homepage. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Head over to the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician and today I'm super excited to talk with Mario Sivading who is running a book club for some time now with PSI and we are talking about one of the books that he is currently discussing in this book and I've been fortunate enough to be in his group for an earlier book and he is doing a really great job in running this book club. So welcome to the show, Marius. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> thank you much for the kind introduction. So before we get into the topic of the book, maybe you can speak a little bit about the book club and PSI and how this came about and what are the benefits of attending this book club. Yeah, yeah, I love to. So we we have this book club to give people from the PSI environment like an area to discuss maybe not so much technical books, but more books on personal development, on career development, and all the so-called soft skills. And we we have a shortlist of books, and of course, everyone can suggest anything they're interested in reading or discussing. And we have select everyone in smaller groups, we have five to six people in each group. And so this gives everyone the opportunity to have a more like a safe space, basically, for discussing. So we want to give everyone the chance to really open up, be vulnerable, to really, because these are topics about like personal development. And of course, everyone brings a bit of their personality into that. Um, so we want to make sure that we drop this performance mindset, that we can actually talk about things we struggle with, things we want to improve on. And yeah, so that's why we have it for three to four months. Each group is running. We divide the book into chapters. And so we can take time to really discuss each chapter and work on maybe topics that are discussed there. And yeah, so it gives really opportunity to network, to get to know people from the industry, people from other companies, other departments. And yeah, so far, feedback has been really good. People come back once they're in, people tend to come back because they really enjoy it. And so yeah, I can only recommend going to the website of PSI 
uh, look us up and yeah, join the book club. Yeah, and we'll definitely put a link to the book club into the show notes so that you can easily find it there. So let's talk about the current book. And what is it? Yeah, we're currently reading The Athlete by Brené Brown. And yeah, I always say it's a bit misleading, the title, because yeah, it is a leadership book, but I think it is not your usual leadership books because she emphasizes more the importance of vulnerability, courage, and empathy in leadership, mm-hmm. which is, I think, not really talked in conditional leadership models. And so Brown said these qualities are really essential for building trust and creating like really meaningful connections with others or with your team, which, yeah, are critical for effective leadership. But this is something which is more personal development then it is just management tools. And and I think what you can get out of that is really being a person that people want to follow. And I think that is something which doesn't necessarily have to be someone in leadership position. Even if you're junior, you can start working on yourself and try to be like, be a person that yeah, you want to be, be a person that people really like to follow and really like to listen to. Yeah, I think it's about persuasion, influence, and not so much about your title, leadership. Yeah, leadership has nothing to do with positions. You can be a great leader without having any title. Yeah, I really love Brené Brown. If you never have heard about her, she's one of the most famous, I think, psychologists of our time. She has a TED Talk that was is one of the most downloaded TED Talks of all time. She had a show on Netflix. This topic. Yeah. And is, has her own podcasts as well that you can check out. And is a sought out keynote speaker and these kind of things. She's really at the top of this globally. And yeah, you can learn quite a lot from her. From a background, she is a qualitative psychologist. So she is also a professor in that regard. So she comes really with a scientific approach here. This is not just some ladies that had an idea and kind of put it out in the world, which is also useful. She backs it up with tons of research. And so that makes it especially applicable, I think, also to us. Yeah. You already mentioned one of her key concepts, vulnerability. I'm speaking about this very regularly also in my leadership program. It's one of these key things that you need to become a really good influential person. What does vulnerability mean actually here? Yeah, I think really this is interesting. And because these are like some things she has really put to the center of her work, vulnerability and shame, which I think before her, no one has mentioned these words in terms of leadership concept and in terms of like professional management. And so that's why I think like she is really, and I love what you mentioned that she's backs it up with science because yeah, some people have great ideas and it's great to make a concept book out of that. But she mentions how she comes to those conclusions and this gives yeah, give them a bit more weight. Yeah. So, but I digress. <laughs> Back topics. What is vulnerability? So, vulnerability is being open and honest about your fears and insecurities and be authentic when you show up as a leader. And I think there's a great quote she said the courage to be vulnerable is not about winning or losing. It's about the courage to show up when you can't predict or control the outcome. Yep. And I think that when I read that in the beginning of the book, that hit so close home. I said, that's exactly the point. That's really being courageous means really just putting yourself out there 
and just do your best, even if you can't, you don't know what's going to be the outcome. And if you can't control the outcome, you haven't really put yourself forward enough. And I think being vulnerable is when you do that, be true to what you feel, but with boundaries. And I think that there's a whole lot of concepts behind that, how we can be vulnerable, what is what should not be vulnerability, and where you have to draw the line to be an effective leader and what you can, like, what you should put out there. Can you give an example of where you yourself have felt this vulnerability and moved into this space of being mm. vulnerable? Yeah, well, I definitely feel, and this is why I love this book so much, it reflects a lot of concepts that I now in retrospect see that these have shaped who I am as a professional person and as a yeah, private person is whenever you face with something that you, makes you panic, like in work environment, somewhere, I don't know, CEO asks you, can you do a presentation? And you immediately, you go in shock. Oh my God, I'm so afraid of that because it, it's so much out of your comfort zone. And in past, when I was younger, there was the moment I taught myself out of these kind of things. Oh no, sorry, I don't have time. I can do that. There's someone else who can do that better. And because we are driven by fear and by shame, by I'm not good enough. I'm not the right person to do that. And I have really changed. And I, I give myself three seconds to actually think about that, to really assess, is this right? And if I can come up with a really good explanation to not do that, I say yes. Because mm -hmm. if you take time, you will find a reason to talk yourself out of it. Yeah. You will always find a reason. It can be ridiculous, but you find a reason and you convince that it's a good reason. But it's fear and shame that drives these kind of like thoughts. And just saying yes and have the courage to just go through with it. And this mindset has really shaped who I am and who I, how I perform as a professional. And then now reading that book, it really made me feel emotional because I realized, yes, that's something which is at the center of yeah how I perform. And I think I feel this is like being vulnerable because I'm like facing my fears. And if I do these things, I try to be authentic as a person, try to be true to who I am with my values. But, and I think this is, or maybe we can get to the later in the podcast, like this is saying boundaries is tied to being vulnerable because it's not about getting in a meeting and drop all your emotions on yeah. people in your team. That's not vulnerability. It's still like showing I'm a human, I have feelings, I'm here with you. But you don't, you shouldn't drop your feelings on your teammates. You should have clear boundaries about what is appropriate to share and what not. Yeah. I think there's a common misperception about vulnerability is a sign of weakness. Yeah. I think it's the other way around. It's a sign of strength. Yeah. A typical thing where you show vulnerability is if you, for example, ask for help. Yes. I haven't done this before. I have very little knowledge. I've looked into it and I think I could benefit from some help. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, actually a really good point that she also backs up with science. She has all this research where she asks like the top CEOs of all the companies that she has worked with and you have all these questionnaires. And she said the one thing that top managers put forward and how they identify their people they trust is people who ask for help because it shows you know your boundaries you know what you cannot do and you are you're brave enough to openly admit it and ask for help and if i know someone will ask for help i know they will come to me if the product might fail if they have with timelines they are not afraid to stand up and say something isn't working and yeah this is like really asking for help is being vulnerable putting yourself out there Yeah, exactly. I just had this in the other day in one of the masterminds of the leadership program, mm -hmm. where we talked about exactly this topic. 
a person was asking some programmers and some colleagues to validate some stuff and she didn't really get a response and afterwards she found out some of these things didn't went as planned but now when they asked for help raised i don't know exactly what to do here yeah what exactly do you expect of me yeah asking for clarity i haven't completely understood this yeah could you explain that in more detail could you show what exactly are, are your goals this yeah. is vulnerability as well yeah absolutely I, i really i had the same experience in the past i had a different country a different company I had someone junior join and i was mentoring him and whenever we talked about anything it was like oh yeah no problem yeah i absolutely know how to do that no problem and in the end like to the feedback loop over time you realize stuff is not working out people are complaining about the quality work and i every time i checked it was like oh, yeah but i know absolutely how to do that it's no problem and i was like i should be the person you trust like i'm trying to mentor you in joining this company please be open about what you cannot do and Yeah, this is just, you You start to lose trust in people if you do not have the feeling you get a really honest and clear feedback about what they're going to do. That is actually another interesting topic, trust and vulnerability. Mm. Can you be only vulnerable with people that you absolutely trust? Oh, yeah, good question. I think there was a quote, which I can't remember how she put that. A trust can be, all right, yeah, choosing to risk making something you value vulnerable to another person's action. I think that's a great definition because you put something out there and you risk someone else like values it or like, you, yeah, you put yourself out there and this is like trusting someone. And I think she has a great framework for how trust works and how you can build trust. And it's definitely something you have to build. And she has a framework for setting boundaries, being reliable, being accountable, To over time, be trust because yeah, I think it's really hard to be vulnerable if you don't trust people, because you have to set very clear boundaries. So I think it could be possible, but it's a really good point. I think it is in the essence of vulnerability that you may not completely trust the other person. If you would trust the other person completely, you would be in a safe space. It wouldn't be courageous. It wouldn't be. You would know that you that the outcome would be good, that you don't would get rejection mm. or whatever. You will get understanding. Yeah. It is when you don't trust the other person. And basically, this vulnerability is consciously trusting forward. So you decide, okay, I will step outside my comfort zone. I don't yet trust you completely. Nevertheless, I'll ask for help. I'll provide feedback. I will do this presentation, whatsoever. Yeah. The interesting thing is also, do you trust yourself in doing it? Yeah, I think <laughs> that's probably even more difficult than trusting someone else. <laughs> We know all our insecurities. We know everything about us. But you, you probably, it's probably really about acting together with people you don't have 100% trust. And, and um, I think she also talks about having these values so that you tie your action to your values. So if you, whatever you do, you frame it through the lens of one of your values. If my value is family, I'm like, yeah, I'm showing up for work because I want to provide for my family. These kind of things, like I know why I'm doing it. So if I know why I'm doing it, I'm like really set in my intentions, in my values and who I am. It's okay if other people I don't trust judge me because I stand behind what I do because I'm backed up by my own values. 
And so that's like probably where I can be like, it's okay if I don't trust people because I know what I do reflects who I am. I think this is also a great way to be more courageous if you mm. know why you're doing it. And these whys are your values. Simon Sinek has this great book about start with why. Not what you do, not <laughs> how you do it, but why are you doing it? And if you share this why, it's also much easier for people to connect with you. Yeah, if absolutely. You, if you share, I need to stop working now because I need to take care of my sick son or because family is important for me, things like that, people will much easier understand your why behind it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's also, I keep on quoting the book, but there's like hundreds of quote-worthy sentences in this book. <laughs> people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about connecting to the human. I think that ties back to the beginning in the introduction. She mentions how she came to this research, like having a big talk about with CEO-level people and being really afraid. And someone told her, it's just people. And this is a sentence really stuck with me, like in so many different moments and situations where I think, remember, these are all people. I mean, they're people who want to connect. So the personal layer of our interaction, of our professional interaction is as important as the technical one, because we talk to people. It's their emotions, it's our emotions. These are sit always at the table. If we're not aware of that, we cannot be good technical leader because it's people <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And this, is, I think, is very important thought and very valuable. It also touches on this point that you can't just ignore emotions. It much more kind of leverage them, build on them. This way you can connect with people. Everybody will remember you, how you made someone feel. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I don't get the exact quote at the moment, but that's the essence of it. If you are giving a training and you have people, the gives us people this aha effect, this kind of, ah, oh, now I understand yeah. it, this kind of heureka <laughs> effect. That's a very positive feeling, and people will remember that. Maybe much more than what a p-value is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we connect over those experiences. And yeah. I think there's about not ignoring the emotions part, which I just really love. And I mentioned at the beginning, this book is not management methods, and et cetera, and like time management. But there are some things in there which are really more hands-on. And there's one thing about feedback, because... That's what we try to give feedback and in like our like companies, it's try to be objective and they like values who have to be measurable. But in the end, it's two people sitting across with each other. And it's to talk about things which maybe if someone not lives up to expectation, this is something which makes you feel in a certain way. And we cannot ignore that. And I think this is ignored in feedback. And she has a great part about Giving feedback, and I think giving feedback is something where we have SOPs in our companies, we have guidelines, etc. But the most part depends on receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. And I haven't yet seen a training on receiving feedback. Because she mentions not everyone who gives feedback is trained in giving feedback. So you might be in a position where someone gives feedback to you who isn't actually trained in that. Or maybe or he's trained but is not trained as it's not as good about like respecting your emotions. Um, how to deal with someone not maliciously, but maybe by lack of training, ignores your emotions and makes you feel in a certain way. And that was an epiphany. I was like, no one has ever talked to me about receiving feedback. 
in a way which kind of like how does someone yeah how do you with that I, I love that so this is where it's we can't ignore the feeling we can't ignore the people the feeling of someone gives feedback the feeling of someone receives feedback these things matter so much more as maybe not more but as much as what we're saying actually feedback especially the constructive feedback where you want to change a behavior not where you mm -hmm. want to support a behavior this very often leads to uncomfortable discussions and mm -hmm. most people don't like giving this kind of feedback it's um, a tough conversation it's a tough conversation vulnerability helps you to get into this tough conversation and be there and stay in the how does she call it awkwardness <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and just stay in there don't try to run away from it that is also very important if you start with why if you say at the beginning of your feedback may i give you feedback because i want you to succeed that's my why then that is a very different ways and just slapping someone into the face with you messed this up yeah absolutely and it's really staying in the awkwardness it's the ocean that being clear is kind and like being unclear is unkind so yeah. sometimes we say things and we maybe tone it down and we try to say things to make the other one feel better what we want to do is we make ourselves feel better we don't want to have this awkward conversation so we do something to make them feel better because that makes us feel better Yeah. But in the end, it's unkind to not be clear. And I mean, not be brutal. And this is also like a sentence which I really just love is she said she's not a fan of anything brutal, including honesty. Because something is accurate or factual doesn't mean it can't be used in a destructive manner. So people are like, hey, I'm just telling the truth. Doesn't matter. If you try, if you tell the truth to hurt someone, it's still something I'm not going <laughs> to stay behind and respect. But being clear, but not being brutal. <laughs> This is, I can get behind that. Yeah, completely. Especially if it's about feedback. I think it's really important to stay in these I messages. Mm -hmm. I have seen X, Y, Z. Yes, yeah. That has the impact for me of X, Y, Z. Yeah. I have seen you diving into this presentation without any frame that has the impact that I was lost. Yeah. This gives like a really good context. Yeah. And then stop with the feedback. Don't go on further. Don't say what the other person could have done better or whatsoever. Just then stay there. Stay mm. in this awkward moment of maybe silence. The other person, if he needs help, then can ask for help. And then mm. you can have a discussion about what you could do differently. But if the other person says, oh, thanks for the feedback. Yeah, I know how to do this better. Done. I yeah. think like enduring the awkward silence is an incredible, important and very powerful communication tool. And this is something you have to learn. <laughs> I had to learn that to really endure that. But it gives someone else time to think, gather their thoughts and If you are able to endure the silence a bit longer than the other person, it provokes him to start being also active in the conversation and actually, yeah, may maybe share something. Why they didn't have time to put it, is there a reason maybe? So it's not like one-sided monologue, but get interactive. So this is really powerful, I learned. Yeah. What is the top takeaway from the book for you? Oh, I really 
I think there's two aspects. I think once is for me was having a framework for this kind of like thing which lingers in the back of my mind, like all these years, which I couldn't really word that this putting yourself out and no matter how the outcome is, that this is courage. That if you meet a courageous person, what does that entail for you? And also I backed up with research for a lot of people. It is like someone who really puts himself out there and it reflects what I, how I feel about be having courage. And I think this is like one of the core takeaways for me. And the other ones, which are, I think is equally important, are all these little tips and frameworks which had shaped, have shaped really how I'm as a person, like outside mm-hmm. of work. Because it's we deal with shame, we deal with empathy, but vulnerability. These are things which also impact your private life. So mm-hmm. actually, shame is one of her main research points. And I said, okay, I never really thought about how does shame happen in my day-to-day life. And these are things which impact maybe my private life even more than my personal, my, my professional life. Yeah, actually, there's actually one thing about shame I really wanted to also talk about is she mentions that shame is really tied to perfectionism is something which might occur in a on a work environment where we have to take call it, take about details a lot. And so yeah. people may tend to get perfectionism. And she said, yeah, when you have someone who is perfectionist, shame is riding shotgun, she thought, because it's not striving for excellence. Like shame is the feeling that like never good enough. And so she counters that with empathy. What is empathy? And how you can actually get rid of shame in yourself and other people by have empathy towards other people and yourself. And for example, one really powerful concept, talk about empathy misses. And I really recognize myself a lot of that. So we try to be empathic towards other people, but we miss it. And for example, reaction with someone has might lost something or something bad happened. Someone lost their job and you're going, Oh man, that's so bad. I really, I can't believe how you're holding up. It's so bad. It's not making the other person feel better if you really emphasize how bad the situation is. And he has six of these different and I recognize myself in every one of those. <laughs> and, <laughs> and another one is just saying, Oh, you're going to be fine. It's you're going to, you're going to manage. It's going to be fine. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. topic. And next one is, Oh, it's not that bad. Here's the positive things. Here's the upsides of that. And I recognize him that immediately in that one. And the last one, I mean, that it's more doesn't happen to me at the time, but saying, oh, you think that's bad? It could be even worse. Let me tell about my neighbor who hit it even, even worse. <laughs> and these are things, but I see people do that all the time if they try to have empathy with someone. And I realize, oh, damn, I don't know how to have empathy, which makes the other people person actually feel better. Yeah. And so these are things that I didn't expect in a leadership book, but that's, that has really shaped, sorry, <laughs> shaped how I interact with people who have had a loss or maybe who have a hard time. And really that, that was one of the really big takeaways from how to work with shame, actually. That is a very good point. Yeah, I remember these as well. And you see yourself in the past having said exactly all these things. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> say were not helpful for the other person just for you yeah yeah absolutely it makes you feel better yeah awesome that is an outstanding summary if you haven't read the book check out the links here in the show notes and especially connect with marius on the next books what are books that you have potentially on the list that you want to go deeper into for the book club in the future 
Yeah, like I said, we're still open for suggestions. We have a shortlist. Time management is something people have wished for. Very high on the shortlist is the 100-year life. It's also backed up by Science Book, which talks about how our personal and professional life would have changed if we all yeah get up to 100 years mm-hmm. in age, because that, of course, have to be a fundamental change in our society. And this actually was initiated by a research funded by the Japanese government, because they going to go <laughs> where yep. we directly to the direction of having people averagely 100 year, getting 100 year old. And so this is really interesting. Some book on happiness. We have the uh, Atomic Habits, which is also on the short list. So yeah, we got a quite box list of books. So stay excited. Again, suggestions are always welcome. And yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn or go to the website of PSI Book Club and get on the newsletter so we get immediately informed as soon as the work station starts. And yeah, I'm really happy to see more people join the club. That is so awesome. And congratulations for initiating this. It's not just that these small groups just get together. Arius also organized moderators for all of these. And these moderators are kind of get prep material so that the, all these discussions can be really fruitful. So yeah. it's a very well-organized course. It's for free for PSI members. And so if you aren't yet a PSI member, join PSI via psiweb.org. There are all the different things. Also, there's this yearly conference of the PSI. If you have never attended, this is an absolute must-have. The conference in London this year in June is nearly booked out, which is outstanding, close to 600 people. And it's another event where you can learn, interact with all kinds of different people that think very much like you. Thanks, Marius, for this awesome discussion and all the best for continuing with the book club. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. Have you already checked out the Effective Statistician Academy? If not, then head over to theeffectivestatistician.com, click on the Academy button at the top and learn about all the great resources you can use to boost your career. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and her team at VVS for help with the show in the background and thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician. Music